Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Got some good news. A friend of mine in New York City, former chief of police, Joe Esposito, had surgery on an operable brain tumor yesterday. We've all been very nervous for days. I've been contacting people like Rudy Giuliani and Bo Deedle has been back and forth with me and Patricia Domango, the judge, and the Monsignor, so many others praying for Joe Esposito every day, Rudy Giuliani. And it uh, turns out the surgery went well. My good buddy Joe from La Sorrentina, fine Italian restaurant on uh, 129 back in Bell Harbor, Lewis. He was there and uh, visited uh, Esposito. I believe Bo did, too. Bo Deedle had a long day yesterday. He was on with us in the morning, then went to the University of Virginia, which is the number one rated state school in the country, number two business school. I've been there. It's a gorgeous campus. Tiki went there, my dear friend Tiki Barber, middays on the fan. And uh, Bo spoke to the class yesterday, so congratulations on that great honor. So Bo had a successful day at the University of Virginia, and Joe Esposito is okay, doing pretty well in recovery after his brain operation. Two pieces of good news. Here's a third piece of good news. He gets huge ratings. He's a great guy and a wonderful talent, the host of the other side of midnight, Frank Morano, back for his weekly visit from me right now. Good morning, Francis. Good morning, Sid. And uh, let me echo everything you said about uh, Joe Esposito. In addition to him being a great guy and someone whose public service I've admired for a long time, I think he probably is the only person in history to serve as either a police chief or a commissioner under Giuliani, Bloomberg, de Blasio, and Eric Adams. I don't know of many people that can (laughs) lay claim to that kind of a resume. Pretty impressive. I know that uh, you and I talked about Adams yesterday morning. And uh, we discussed a few of the things that I actually discussed with the mayor yesterday. And uh, you heard the conversation. I think we pretty much touched on everything New Yorkers wanted to hear. Yes. Oh, no doubt about it. Honestly, uh, I whenever I hear anybody do an interview with a, a leading public official, especially a mayor, a governor, a president, I always think, what would I have asked that that person didn't ask in that same amount of time? And honestly, whether it was policing, whether it was the situation with the migrants, whether it was anything else, I, I don't know that there was a single issue that you guys didn't touch upon. And I think that's reflected in the news today. I mean, uh, the New York Post, New York Daily News, Politico, uh, everybody is covering this interview yesterday. And I think one of the things that uh, that you've been able to do as an interviewer, not just with Adams, but with, with everybody, is you do ask challenging questions and you ask about challenging subjects, but you ask it in a very non-confrontational, non-aggressive way, and it leads to people actually opening up a bit more and being more newsworthy than if you were to do a sort of uh, adversarial uh, O'Reilly-style 
O'Reilly, nothing against O'Reilly, but O'Reilly-style interview where he's basically arguing with someone for uh, for the duration of the interview. So, yeah, I thought it was a terrific interview. I, it wasn't crazy about a couple of his responses, but, you know, that you got, that's the way the cookie yeah. crumbles. Well, thank you for us saying that, and that has always been my style. I remember one time I had a huge argument with Bernard because he said to Anthony Scaramucci, you're dead to me. And I'm like, Bernie, don't do that. Or you've got blood on your hands. or And when you do that, the, you run the risk of people not coming back. And after this conversation yesterday, I got a text from the mayor right away, and he said, and I quote, that was fun. <laughs> and I'm not sure I would have used the word fun, but if that's how he felt, to your point, that it worked out well. So thank you. But one thing I did not bring up, that you would have liked uh, if I did, and that is your buddy out of Staten Island, Jim Otto, has a new job with the mayor. Well, yeah, it's true. He's going to be the new commissioner of the Department of Buildings. It was announced a few days ago. Uh, first of all, this is the best pick Eric Adams has made. I, I think he's made uh, a couple of bad moves, but he's made a lot of good moves. I think his police commissioner is is terrific. I think his school's chancellor is terrific. This is by far the best decision of the Adams mayoralty to date. And for people outside of Staten Island who may not know Jimmy Otto, first of all, he's a Republican. He's been an elected official as a city councilman, minority leader, and as a borough president, as a Republican, won, I think, 10 or 11 elections as a Republican. I don't see, uh, I can't imagine Bill de Blasio making one of his most prominent commissioners a Republican. But, you know, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, so his party affiliation means less to me, but it does speak to Adams's independence in this regard. Otto has, he is a friend of mine, just so everybody knows, but he has an encyclopedic knowledge, not just of city government, but of the ins and outs of the city bureaucracy. He knows how to cut through the city bureaucracy. He knows how to make the bureaucracy work to the benefit of New Yorkers. And as somebody that's lived my entire life in a borough that's used to getting the short end of the stick from city government and being ignored by every mayor except Rudy Giuliani, it's so great to have such a prominent commissioner in city government that actually realizes that Staten Islanders are New Yorkers too, and our needs count for something. But I really can't say enough good things about how hopeful I am about what this will mean for uh, cutting through some red tape. But the fact that the only borough that didn't vote for Adams, he, the Adams is still appointing such a prominent Staten Island elected official and statesman, quite frankly, to such a, an important position is, is huge. And uh, you'll appreciate this. Otto is in the gym probably right now. He's a fitness fanatic uh, along the lines of a Sid Rosenberg. So I think he'll bring a different perspective to, uh, to city government in the Adams administration and i'd love to see more picks like this this is a home run he uh, replaces my friend eric ulrich who has gone on now to do something else out of the public circuit so my dear friend joseph tacopino will be back in court this morning uh dealing with eugene carroll this defamation slash rape allegation and i think he'll be in court through thursday looks like he'll probably sum up the case on monday and that'll be it for this one but, of course, Tacopina was in New York not that long ago, a different case, and that was the case that the Manhattan DA, that fat loser, that moron Alvin Bragg, has brought against Donald Trump. Tacopina's getting booed and harassed and yelled at and heckled every morning as he enters court. But going back to, uh, to the Bragg case, this is Judge Kaplan, who's involved in this rape defamation allegation, 
The judge in the other case with uh, Alvin Bragg is not Judge Kaplan. But I'm reading this, and this comes from Frank Morano, and it reads, Honorable Ellen Bybin, Administrative Judge, New York County Supreme Court, criminal term. And it looks like it's a letter to Bybin talking specifically a complaint, if you will, about the judge in that first case with Alvin Bragg, Donald Trump, and Joe Tacopina. You, Frank Morano, have filed a complaint, haven't you? That's right. Uh, this is officially filed today, and uh, it, Ellen Bybin is the administrative judge that oversees the courtroom where that uh, where that uh, case involving the criminal case with Trump is taking place. I've also filed it with the uh, Commission on Judicial uh, Ethics and uh, the new chief administrative judge for the whole state of New York. And here's the crux of it, Sid, and, and I'm not looking to just score partisan points or anything along those lines. Uh, as I said, you know, I'm, uh, I'm really genuinely genuinely and independent. I vote for Democrats, independents, and Republicans all the time. But here's the problem is there's two problems, really. One is what Judge Juan Mershon, who's the judge overseeing the Trump case, did is he made three political contributions in 2020, one to Biden himself, uh, one to a group called Stop Republicans, and another to a group called, uh, that's a, a, another progressive group with the stated goal of stopping Trump and Republicans. And what, even if he's the best judge in the world, and from what I understand, he had a pretty good reputation before this, but even if he had, he's the best judge in the world, the fact that he made a political contribution, however small it was, to the guy, uh, to the opponent, of the person whose trial he's now proceeded over, that's going to call into question every decision this guy makes in this forthcoming trial. Is that even legal? Can he even do that? And that brings me to my next point, right? So I don't, I believe he should have recused himself from the Steve Bannon case and from the case involving Alan Weisselberg, because I think these are a lot of appellate issues that could be raised in all three of these cases. But even if Biden didn't run against Trump, Sid, this would be a violation of Section 100.5 of the Code on Ju- of Judicial Conduct. You are strictly prohibited from engaging, even if you're just a judicial candidate, let alone a judge. It, any judge in the state of New York is prohibited from engaging in political activity, partisan political activity, like a campaign contribution. So this would be inappropriate even if Biden had nothing to do with Trump. So (laughs) how can jurors, lawyers, or the defendant, or anybody else for that matter, be inspected to follow the judge's instruction on the law if he's not following the instructions that every judge in the state of New York is bound by? I've spoken with a dozen judges, retired and active, over the last month about this to make sure I wasn't misunderstanding it, because I'm not an attorney, but I know the law and every single one of them said that as a judicial candidate or a judge they would never make a contribution to no, anyone of not. so how prevalent is this that's why i'm asking judge Biden to launch an investigation to see what other judges in this courtroom are making political contributions they shouldn't be <laughs> how this guy needs to be off this case yesterday this is and a this, tre- is- this is a tremendous job out of you frank morano by the way a lot of those judges that's your answer Biden won't tell you sid rosenberg will a lot of those judges do the same thing this judge did but congratulations to you and i mean this very sincerely congratulations to you 
for bringing this to Biden's attention. Most importantly, this large WABC audience's attention. They wouldn't know that. Here you got a judge involved in this case, which has gotten more exposure than any case maybe since O.J. Simpson. And this judge is in the bag for Joe Biden. That is a great job. One more talking about Biden and Trump about two minutes to go. Next Wednesday is a big day here on this show, a week from this morning, because Donald Trump will be with me for a full 15 minutes, 8.05, a week from today, wow. next Wednesday morning. But it turns out that the other big story is later on that night, Frank, Donald Trump makes his return to CNN, and I'm not sure why he would do that. That's going to piss off his supporters and, quite frankly, his detractors. Yes, yeah, and I, that's what I love about it is that uh, I think Trump is doing the right thing. Conservatives are upset with him because they think that uh, that he should be doing what DeSantis is doing and just ignoring the legacy media. And a lot of people are trying that are on the left wing end of the spectrum are leading a, a boycott CNN movement. Keith Olbermann has said this. A bunch of Democratic strategists and a bunch of Democratic activists have said this as well because they think this is just going to feed into Trump the way it did in 20. 2016 and give him free publicity. I think he's doing the right thing here because I think as it stands now, Trump is very well positioned to win the nomination. And I think he absolutely needs to win a few crossover voters that voted for uh, Biden in 2020 in states like Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin and Nevada. And they're not watching Fox News. They're not watching Newsmax. So if he can make a compelling case on China, on trade, on the war in Ukraine and on the economy, especially especially now that we see three banks failing in, in, the, in the span of just a couple of months. Yeah. I think it's a wise move for him politically. And the reality is conservatives can say they're upset about this. I don't see DeSantis or anybody else beating him for the nomination right now. And this is why Frank Morano gets 12s. You just heard it, folks. Great information and a hero here in New York bringing a complaint against this judge. This is fantastic stuff. You know I love your show. You know I love you. I love when you're on with me once a week. Thank you, Frank Morano. Have yourself a great Wednesday. Great job, buddy. Thank you, Sid. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Honored and humbled. I love you too, man. Thank my man. There he is, Frank Morano. Check him out, folks. Every weeknight does the best overnight show in this city. By a distance, it is the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. <laughs>